Talk of the Clones, presented by Best One Since the Next One. And I'm your trusty Star Wars correspondent, Stephanie. And I'm her Star Wars obsessed twin, Allison. And we're a couple of real life renegade clones who will be covering our favorite fictional renegade clones as we discuss season two of The Bad Batch. Yay! Yeah, so um, everyone here on the show probably knows me by now because I've been doing all the Star Wars related episodes um, with John, um, but Allison has not been on the show before, so we'll just do a quick intro. Um, Hey, Allison, what's up? Hi, this is my podcast debut. Hello, my name is Allison. I am Stephanie's identical twin sister, so we are actual genetic clones. The real deal. Not made in Camino. Made the old-fashioned way, but as you know, far as we know, we are still clones in all the same ways. Yep. <laughs> so we have the unique experience and perspective of actual genetic clones. So that's what I'm bringing here to the table. And also, um, I'm as obsessed with Star Wars as Stephanie is. Our origin stories. I think that you've told the origin story on the podcast or on other podcasts as well. It's exactly the same because I was there with you the same time that we watched it. Every single Star Wars experience that we've had has been in unison. So Mm. we are actual Star Wars clones because... I don't think that I've ever watched Star Wars without you. Um, I've watched Attack of the Clones when I've been homesick before because it's my sick comfort movie. I mean, me too. I think, I guess that doesn't count. Occasionally, The Phantom Menace Mm -hmm. is also occasionally a sick day comfort movie for me. But yeah, I think overall, we've never watched Star Wars apart. I mean, I've I've rewatched episodes of The Clone Wars without you. And for whatever reason, I watched The Clone Wars movie without you before you. Because I was told by people who don't know what they're talking about that you shouldn't watch the Clone Wars movie. Um, So when I first started watching the Clone Wars, I skipped the movie, which, I mean, look, I understand why entering with the movie is not like the best for your overall impression of the Clone Wars. But having already gotten into it, when I went back and rewatched the movie, I was like, what the hell was I thinking? Um, I remember that I rewatched, well, I watched the movie for the first time. Um, you had already gone to bed and it was a weeknight and for some reason I didn't have to go to work. Yeah, we also live together. So that's important too. That is important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we have different work schedules. So you were already asleep and I was not. And so I just on a whim decided I wanted to watch the Clone Wars movie. I think it was 2 a.m. I made myself a grilled cheese sandwich and I got to my bed from my laptop and I watched the Clone Wars movie. It was the best decision I've ever made. I did break my headphones that time like they fell off my bed and and like shattered and but it was worth it for a great viewing experience yeah our star wars origin story is the same we've equally been obsessed with star wars um and much like the clones of star wars we yeah we have like one purpose which is to Instead of being created to fight a, a fake war, we were created to love Star Wars <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and really, really loved the clones. Well, now this is interesting because I was always into Clone Wars and I got into the clones. But let's talk a little bit about our history with the Bad Batch and why we're so obsessed with it. I loved the Clone Wars, but I was never like super 
I loved the clone focused episodes, but I wasn't like super invested in the clones. I wasn't like a clones first Star Wars fan. I thought they were cool. Attack the Clones is one of my comfort movies. I love Camino, but I never was like super into the clones. I didn't know them all by name. I didn't know everything they did. I couldn't keep track of it all. So when the Bad Batch came out, um, I was like, I'll check it out because it's Star Wars animation and I've always loved Star Wars animation. We, that is something else that we share is we're both almost more obsessed with Star Wars animation than any other part of Star Wars, Clone Wars, Rebels. Yeah, absolute obsessions. Mm -hmm. Um, But I went into the Bad Batch just being like, let's just see what this is. I was obsessed by the end of the first episode and I... Don't know why I was so dumb to not realize how compelling the clones are as characters and ideas, but by the end of the first episode of The Bad Batch, I was the number one clone fan. Clones were my favorite part of Star Wars, and they are still one of my favorite parts of Star Wars. What about you? I'm also realizing right now I'm a huge liar in saying that we never watched Star Wars without each other because I'm realizing that you started The Bad Batch before me. Yes, I did. But you were like four episodes ahead of me when I finally got around to starting it. I think I was just really, really busy that week mm-hmm. and I was I just didn't have time and I was like, oh, you just start it without me and tell me how it is because similarly, I wasn't sure if it was going to really be my bag. But I definitely was really into the clones before you because- You went through a clone phase, I remember. Yeah, but I mean, it was like more specific, like the Clone Wars clones, like, you know, your canonical co- clones, like, you know, Echo and uh, I mean- Hard case used to be like a favorite of mine, and uh, you know, obviously Rex and all all of the five of first. But I guess that fives. How could I forget fives? I don't know. I guess I was never. I knew some people who had been who had been into like really legitimately into the Bad Batch since they saw the animatics. Yeah, listen up here, guys. We know a real one. I know a real one who was a hardcore fan of the Bad Batch on Tumblr back in like 20, whatever, 2012, 20, whatever, like the-, the No, those, it was later. Okay. Whenever it was that these animatics came out, mm-hmm. she was like- and It was later than that. Kept writing stuff about the Bad Batch on Tumblr. And I was like, what mm-hmm. is she talking about? And then she'd post GIFs and it was just those like wonky looking animatics. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. So you like created a whole, like you got into a fandom through this- Mm-hmm. So I I have lost touch with that person, but sometimes I want to check in with her and see if she's okay after all that. I'm sure she's because... doing great. I'm sure she's living. I hope she is. <laughs> but yeah, no, I started The Bad Batch without you. And I remember being like, Allison, you need to sit your ass down and watch this show. This is legit. Because mm-hmm. the first episode of The Bad Batch was like picking up at the level that the final season of Clone Wars left off on. And that's what I feel like about this show is that they have just perfected their ability to do storytelling in Star Wars animation to the point where they are starting at such a high level that it's just getting better and better. Yeah, I think that the, that like the momentum has not ceased. It's just been it's just been on fire. And that's exactly how I felt when I finally I managed to stay completely unspoiled. Like I was still on Twitter at that time, but I was just like, you know, you would just like scroll past anything that looked like it was talking about Star Wars. I don't know. I'm very good at like putting up my blinders when I need to, to avoid spoilers. But I did get the sense that you had like new faves, like new babies who mattered more to you than anything else. And I was like, who are these going to be? 
I mean, obviously, you know, I kept you unspoiled. I kept you unspoiled about the existence of Omega. I Um, know. But then, of course, as soon as she came on screen, you were like, okay, I see what this show is going to be about. Because for me, that was just the most delightful surprise of this show. It was like the reveal of Baby Yoda to me, but better. Oh, much better. Yeah. No offense, Baby Yoda. I'm team I like Omega better than Baby Yoda. I think that like she's, you know, I mean, she's a kid with who's old enough to like talk. And I just, I feel so much for her. And she just like that character just like immediately went straight to my heart and is like my child now. Too. Yeah, no, like, I, I, I want her to protect well. her and see her grow and thrive. And as soon as that angle, and I realized that this show was going to be about four clone dads raising a little clone girl, mm-hmm. I was like, well, this show is going to own my ass for the rest of my life. Let's dive right into, I mean, we've sort of gone over like the season, first season of The Bad Batch was for me like one of the most flawlessly executed seasons of television I have ever seen. It has still like, you know, quote unquote filler episodes as people would sometimes call Mm-mm. it, um, you know, and like people always have that for the Star Wars animation. Personally, I don't, it doesn't bother me because I see that in each one of those episodes, first of all, they're all fantastically stunning to look at and the action sequences are always spectacular and they're always full of great character stuff but they they develop things about characters and relationships that are going to pay off in the long run and like didn't rebels teach us enough about filler episodes when those freaking whales came back and turned Mm -hmm. out to be key to everything yeah actually yeah i have like a personal theory that dave filoni like keeps track of the episodes that everybody dismisses as filler and has a little notebook of them and makes galaxy brain plans to bring them back in like plot and universe shattering ways so you can no longer um dismiss them that's my theory about the space whales and it worked out i mean it was and great. it's like also in uh, the clone wars how they brought back the poisoned uh the poison tea, tea. yeah tea storyline in the final arc of the final season of clone wars if it wasn't for the poisoned snapple tea which I don't, I don't know if it was poisoned or just like had it contaminated. If it wasn't for the bad tea, then we would not get the siege of Mandalore. We would not get Darth Maul on Mandalore. We would not get the last two episodes of the Clone Wars. It all pays off. All right, and anything that happens in the Mandalorian. So bring back what's his name, Auntie. <laughs> No, don't do that. I mean, it's okay. Corgi. We're Corgi, not talking Cor- about Corgi Grease. right now. Corgi Grease. It's not Corgi. It's Corky. Corky? I don't oh, think it's Corgi, Corgi like a dog? No, Corky, like with a K. Like a cork yeah. board. Corky oh, Grease. Okay. I always called him Corgi. Like, like a dog. dog? No, I don't think Yeah, because it doesn't he seem like he'd be like the queen's pet. <laughs> no, I don't like this. Stop. <laughs> okay, okay. Stop. All right. Okay, okay. We're moving on. So, away from Corgi to the Bad Batch. Corgi. <laughs> Corgi to the Bad Batch. Season two, which I am so happy is finally here. We are talking about the first two episodes, starting with episode one, Camino Lost. No, that's not no, correct. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> what? Spoils the floor. <laughs> All right, listen. 
Stephanie. Okay, all right. I'm, Come I'm, on. I'm, I'm, We're I, supposed I to be the the bad batch experts here. Okay, I'm just so excited. I We're talking about episode one of season two, Spoils of War. Why did you make it sound like that? <sighs> Deep breaths. We're talking about episode one of season two of The Bad Batch, Spoils of War. Spoils of War. Directed by Stuart Lee, written by Jennifer Corbett, um, and starring Michelle Ong as Omega, D. Bradley Baker as almost everyone else. He might have even done the crab screams. Yeah, he probably did the crab screams. We'll get to the crab screams. Ben Diskin as AZ3. He lives. He lives. The fantastic Rhea Perlman as Sid. And introducing to this show, Wanda Sykes as Fee Genoa, that oh, pirate that's lady. Who that was. Mm-hmm. I knew I recognized her voice. Yeah, we'll we'll get into talking about what we think she's going to be doing because obviously they're not going to be introducing a character with like a big name voice actor for no reason if they're just going to be in one part. So, looking forward to seeing what happens there. Okay, what were your overall thoughts on the first episode? Um, internal screaming that my babies are back and everybody's um, still alive and Omega hasn't grown up too much because that was a real anxiety that yeah. we shared. It's still slightly unclear. I'm sure that somebody smarter or like at least who does more ahead of time research than us would be able to tell me maybe exactly how long the time jump has been. But oh, I would yeah, no, say I'll it's figure more it than- out. Yeah, Allison, you'll be on top of this in a little bit, but we've been busy lately. No. It's definitely, like, not, like, more than a year or so, because, like, she's not that much older. When they said there was a time jump, I was terrified that, like, we were going to lose our baby girl and she was going to be, like, an adult. And I was like, I'm not ready to say goodbye. My little girl can't grow up without me. (laughs) You know what I mean? I had a feeling it wasn't going to be that extreme because... You know, the fact that they're parenting her is such a major part of the the plot and the themes of the story. And, you know, it's not enough to just skip all of that. That that wouldn't make any narrative sense. Yeah, so the time jump was appear- apparently not that long, which is great for us. Um, I would, and- if I had to venture to guess, I would say just less than a year. Because kids grow up fast and she hasn't put on that much in terms of height. And then they have some new outfits, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, she's obviously... I don't know. I loved how this episode showed how much she's incorporated even more so as a member of the team while also like, you know, her her dads are becoming more comfortable with raising a child too. I guess we'll get into that more as we as we talk through the plot, but yeah, I mean, overall, these first two episodes were fantastic. Um definitely I feel like have to be watched together, especially after the supposed ending of episode one being like, oh, that yeah. were like the ending, it would be no I good. was so deeply offended. I mean, I know that that's okay because there was another one waiting for me, but I was like, no, come on. Overall, the, um, like, it's not, this wasn't like the first episode of season one was because that was like very much like, you know, introducing the entire story. So that first episode was like, just more epic you know what I mean like it had order 66 and it had so many dramatic moments we had to introduce all the characters and all the dynamics and all the themes in one episode so that episode really was like a movie these these ones were more like like great starter episodes but they're already building into some really interesting themes and ideas and cool stuff that I know is going to be going on in this season 
Um, and yeah, I just know this show is not going to let me down because it never has before. And that's not mm-hmm. to say that I thought these episodes were a letdown. They were certainly not. But like, you know, if I'm going to compare it to like the opening of season one, it wasn't like as like sweeping and epic and intense. But I it mean, it came, it came, it came into it with the expectation that you already knew who these people were. It didn't have mm-hmm. to do any convincing. The tone of season one when it began was like, this is a Star Wars movie. We are giving you a reason to be so deeply invested in these characters that you've never met before. And we're yeah. also dropping you into like what is without a doubt, like the most dramatic point in Star Wars history, you know, mm-hmm. anything that, that starts with order 66, you know, is not screwing around. Yeah. And they have, you know, already laid the groundwork with that. And that's, gives you the opportunity season twos of things just shows in general usually open with a hey we're back you know these people this is where they're at you know kind of like gently guiding you back into the world before dropping some kind of bomb on you which i feel like he'll be coming pretty soon based off how this double whammy ended all right so let's start going through what happened in the episodes um we open as everything should open with our heroes running away from giant crab things. Screaming crabs. Screaming crabs, yeah. They were like, I guess they were making like a, a crab sound. I don't know. I was just going to say, this was the clip that we saw at the preview at Celebration. Um, yeah. And at that preview, we lost our minds. So then when it started, we just like, we were like, oh, I've seen this before, but I will happily see this again. If I hadn't seen it before, I would have probably, you know, my heart would have stopped just to see Omega again and see what she was wearing. But yeah, as soon as I realized, kind of with a sigh of relief that we've already seen this clip when we watched it at the panel, I was like, okay, you know, sometimes I just need to have gotten like a little taste before I jump in so I don't actually freak out with how excited I am to be here. So that was helpful. That was a it good helped kind prepare of like, us. Yeah, it yeah. was like, you know, dipping your toe in the water before you dive in. I was going to say it was like, you know, how those people back in the Victorian days would eat tiny bits of mercury over time so that they built up a tolerance. Yeah. So that if yeah. someone poisoned so, them, they'd be okay. So what we're saying is that we love Star Wars so much that it's it poisons us like mercury. <laughs> it, listen, some people love things with such power that it actually hurts and is... Uh, a danger to their health and well-being yeah. and that oh, is yeah. me and star wars among me some too actually me me and several things but star wars is probably chief among them yeah. star wars is is responsible what must it. it be like to like love things in a comfortable way i don't i don't you know think... like when you're emotionally affected by like a show in like a normal way where you aren't like physically know. pained by like a piece of media i don't know where... it must be re- it must be really boring but also like it must be kind of nice. stressful I, I don't guess know. so. What do you think about when you're lying in bed at night trying to go to sleep? But the problem is, if you're lying in bed at night trying to go to sleep, and you think about Star Wars, you're not going to fall asleep. But it's still yeah. great. Back to it. We are only on the first part with the crabs. Um, the animation, once again, is absolutely breathtaking. They're running through water. It mm-hmm. looks incredible. Like, the landscapes and lighting on this show is, like, better than any live action I've seen and continues to be. It's like this, and then what we saw in um, Camino Lost um, was just, I feel like them rubbing it in our faces that the technology they have right now is like, look at all this water. This looks better than it did in any of the movies. This looks better than real water. 
<laughs> like no, we could film real kind of water. I, I think that they're still using, I, I heard they were using the Unreal Engine on the like landscapes and the lighting. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask if that was a real thing or if that was just something I made up in my head, but I think, no, that I think that's, that's real. real. It looks incredible. Um, okay. So they're running away from these crabs. They're in the middle of a mission, something they're doing for Sid. Um, and we cut to Omega, our girl, sitting in front of the Havoc Marauder. She is being homeschooled by tech, which warms my heart so much. I know. Okay, just the idea, just the idea that like her dad's, like we all were making jokes about how like, you know, they're all stepping into different roles as dads. Um, and in season one, she did have that little thing that she said to little Hera about how she wasn't allowed to drive the ship until she memorized its entire like user manual according to tech. So we already sort of got the idea that tech would be like her her teacher, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But like I love the idea that like she has assignments mm-hmm. and she's like taking a study break and he's telling her she can't take a she shouldn't be taking a study break. All the dad stuff is so cute. I just It reminded me of the part in um season one where uh Wrecker's teaching her how to defuse the bomb. Yeah, and they're all doing their about, best. She's going to be the most well-rounded child in the world. And she's already she's, be getting there. She's already getting she's there. She's going because to become like the most brilliant child. She's got the best teachers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so she's learning all this uh, ship. She's learning about like every kind of ship possible mm-hmm. on her yeah. little data pad from tech. She's got her Schooling cute little outfit on. my very like rudimentary knowledge of the ships of Star Wars. Yeah, she's finally out of her little... Um, Camino jumpsuit. She's got some cool pants, cool shirt. She's got her fantastic trusty bow. And then, um, yeah, the, the guys come running away from the crabs um, and they start going around to pick her, pick them up. And then our girl Omega falls off, but mm-hmm. she's okay because she's already learned a lot of cool stuff since last season. Um, and she's pretty adept with falling slowly off of the ship and landing on the beach and shooting the fr- the uh, sorry I must call them frogs crabs <laughs> maybe frogs will come later Probably. shooting the crabs and yeah she's a badass now i mean she already yeah. was she was but she she's was. like really getting she's really taken after her dad she learns fast and i mean she is also a genetic clone of, of boba fett so that also makes sense she's she's genetically predispositioned to be an extremely fast learner and also just very smart and she's got the best teachers yeah um i guess that she was supposed to be inside the ship but i think she was like fishing or something at the same time that she was it was she was looking involved. at the fish she was looking but at the fish wasn't she talking about the fish too like fishing? i don't know I don't. she was supposed to be inside the ship or at least that's what hunter thought because he was very upset that she wasn't inside the ship. yeah protective Understandably, dad i mean in my mind i would freak out if like i don't know how old she is i i want to say like eight seven maybe nine by eight, now nine, i feel like she was seven or eight last season yeah, well, I don't think she could be any older than nine, but I would not want her being chased by giant crabs. But I also am happy that she can be, and she's okay. Yeah, and she comments afterward that it was fun. Yeah, and I'm glad she had fun, because there were definitely times last season where I was like, this girl better have some fun next season, because she is going through it, and mm-hmm. she does not deserve any of this. And you know what? Interestingly enough, that's going to be a big theme of these episodes. 
going from oh, there. Oh, no. I'm hard. Hard feelings already. Okay. I know. Okay. Well, that's what happens. I just love her. All right. So they go back to uh, to Sid's place um, and they see AZ. He's serving drinks. He's alive. He's alive. He is buoyant. He is serving drinks. And Sid, good old Sid, is still there giving them good jobs. Still because, working for Sid. Well, I mean, like, and here's the thing. People were sometimes last season being like, why are they still working for Sid? These guys need money. They are raising a child. Okay? They don't and really they have any job. options. They don't have a job anymore. They don't have, like, viable career options. And they are raising a child. And this episode also continues to drive that home. Well, the thing I thought was funny about last season is a lot of people are like, why are you still working for Sid? And it's like, they kept on lampshading it. Like, they literally don't have a choice. They like, need to was- eat. They need they to need feed to a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that was happening last season. They were like, oh, we can afford to feed a child. And, and ourselves. This, and ourselves. And now this season, like the very beginning of the episode, they're like, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. But they find a way to potentially get out of this arrangement and they're ready to take it. Because they're raising a child. Yeah. On that subject, they go back there. They meet this pirate named Fee Genoa who is voiced by Wanda Sykes. And we don't know that much about her, but she had, she was like, just talking about them. Like she clearly knows who they are. Um, and there's going to be something, she's definitely going to sh- come back and do something because she did just kind of go away. So we'll see what happens She made there. an impression though. And then after that, Sid's like, I want you to go to Sereno and... Steal Count Dooku's war chest. So we're going all the way back to Clone Wars flashback mm-hmm. time. And sweet little Omega doesn't know who Count Dooku is. Well, she's, um, a, she's a baby. She doesn't know. Yeah, but he's like, well, she, he's not the whole reason, but he is the guy who freaking ordered the creation of all of them. Her brothers. Yeah. I know that they're technically her brothers, but we're calling them her dads because, you know, her brother the dads. they're playing. Her brother dads. Her big brothers who are raising her as her dads. But, her you know, dads. none of them would exist if it weren't for this Count Dooku guy placing the order. He was doing it on behalf of someone else, but, you know. True. I didn't really think about it that way. Yeah, no. So I thought it was kind of wild when she was like, who's Count Dooku? Let's not get into the whole sifo Diaz thing again. Though. It's, <laughs> it's like, lot. it's That's a lot. All right. So back on topic. So they're going to potentially go rob one of Count Dooku's war chests uh, because it would give them a lot of money. But Hunter turns it down because he's worried about Omega. He thinks it's too risky, too much risk for people who are trying to raise a child. Later on... After some discussion and Sid pointing out that if the money in those war, war chests could be split among them, the batch could stop working for her and could potentially retire to some sort of quiet life. They don't have to do anything dangerous and they can just raise Omega and let her have like a real childhood. He's Hunter's still not feeling it, but then the rest of them talk about it and they think they'd like to do it. And Sid seems very eager to convince them for obvious reasons and talks all about them getting out of there and being able to, like, buy their freedom. And I, I'm Hunter eventually agrees when he thinks about Omega. So really, it's all about dad stuff still. 
So yeah, they head out, but on the way, Hunter and Echo have a conversation in which they say that the reason that they can't have a normal life is because they chose to adopt Omega, and Omega overhears this. But I feel like that's like that was like I yeah no and I and I, I obviously I guess we can talk about more when the episode's over because it's kind of like the whole point of the whole arc. But I have some thoughts about that. Um, we'll yeah, move we'll, on. We'll, I have we'll some put a pin in that, that. But yeah. So Omega is feeling a little badly about overhearing that. Uh, and this is just bringing me back to there was uh, a lot of stuff with this in season one that just mm-hmm. absolutely wrecked me. i never forget how deeply upset I was about that episode that was came right after they left Camino and she thinks that because this is like such a child brain kind of logic way of thinking about things when she realizes that Hunter is, is trying to get her to leave the, you know, leave them and go off with the family with uh, his name is escaping me right now and his farmer family. And she thinks it's because she like messed up and ran away with the ball and like got into trouble and she thinks it's as simple as something as that. And in a way it is because Hunter was thinking that, oh, he's not good at taking care of a kid. She almost got eaten by, you know, predators. But, you know, in her mind, she's like, oh, no, I, they don't want me anymore because I messed up with the ball. And I'm like, oh, my God, that just wrecks me so much. And this is another when she w- was overhearing them talking about that. And she was like cuddling her stuffy. Her, and I was just, no, she's too much of a child. And it I love her so deeply. So they reach the shipyard on Serrano and they see clone troopers or clone stormtroopers rather, because they're probably a mix of like uh, non-clone troopers and clone troopers taking all of the, the loot into big cargo containers. They split up, which is not a good idea. Never a good no. idea. You guys are supposed to be like ace clones. Hunter splits up and <laughs> just not gonna comment on that. What? What did you? I did. I <laughs> never mind. Hunter and Wrecker go to provide a diversion if needed. While Echo, Tech, and Omega go to get the loot. Mm-hmm. So much for staying in the ship, but I guess they figured it's safer to keep her with them. Yeah, I don't know. I they aren't learning idea. that much. Our boys are technically younger than their daughter, so I don't their know. Their parenting <laughs> styles are somewhat inconsistent. They're, they love her, and that's what matters, but okay. So they're all looking for things. Omega finds a bunch of credits and jewels, and she is really fixated on all this stuff that they could gain. But then, dun-dun-dun-dun, Captain Wilco... One of the clone, the clone stormtrooper, I think, commander. Yeah, Captain Wilco. Uh, someone on in the Blast Points chill group on Facebook pointed out they wondered if Wilco, Captain Wilco's name was a reference to the band Wilco. That's what I thought as soon as they said it. Because they have like, that Wilco album the band? called Star Wars. Oh my God, you're You right. know that album called Star Wars that they yeah, have? Yeah, but that wasn't even my thought. I was just like, Wilco the band. Yeah, well, they have that album called Star Wars, so... Oh my god, it probably is. It probably is. Okay. Okay. 
Captain Wilco um, orders his troopers to find a clone that they uh, that they stunned with our beloved Bad Batch stun gun. I like how they just decided in at some point last season that they were just never going to shoot other clones, and it's mm-hmm. never spoken out loud, but they've just always used their stuns. I just think that that's great because the more blue wibbly like 70s woo stun sounds that you can get. Long story short, the clones get alerted because they're wondering where this where their clone guy is. Wrecker and Hunter start to like try and get the the whole distraction thing going. They were going to explode something. They did explode. They exploded they did explode. the two ships. It was like a badly executed version of the Rogue One plan. Yeah, I did it work that. out. Because what ended up happening was they ended up sealing up the cargo container with Tech, Echo, and Omega inside it and starting to take it away (laughs) into space. So then they're like, what are we going to do? Tech says that there are escape pods on the ship. They have to get through the ship to get onto the escape pods. They don't make it. Captain Wilco realizes what they're doing and he orders the escape pods to be deployed. Uh, So they eject the escape pods. Now our... uh, our friends on on the ship can't get off, so Omega, who has been doing good at her homeschooling, remembers that they're on a um, class four freighter, which means that the cargo vessels have reentry thrusters, so they can just of course go into one of the things, let it drop out or drop it out. So that's what they do, mm-hmm. and things look bad because they're just falling plummeting to the surface of the planet and the reentry thrusters haven't come in yet meanwhile uh hunter and wrecker are like kind of powerless to help them on the surface of the planet and then they cut to credits so thank god we have another episode um Mm -hmm. the following episode which luckily dropped right afterward was called ruins of war they're in free fall the cargo uh reentry thrusters finally fire so they land on the edge of a cliff and then the cargo container starts like shifting off the cliff and it sends another mini container onto tech oh and breaks his leg. <laughs> I screamed because I was thinking, all I was thinking about was Andor and I was like, they had better not. And I, I knew as soon as it hit his leg that he was going to be okay. Like no, you know, chest trauma here. But still, it was too similar. And I was like, I mean, he's my fave of them all, of all the boys. And I don't even want his anything to happen that's even remotely similar to what happened in Andor. And no, they're not going to kill off one of them in the first episode of season two. But it was still a little bit, oh, no. Like, I was still like, wow, this is, everything is going terribly wrong. And I'm legitimately anxious right now. I mean, it was, it didn't get better for him for much of it. No, poor Tech had a hard go of things in this episode. Okay. Tech's leg is broken. His left femur, to be specific, because he's able to self-diagnose that right away. And they are still stuck in the container. The clone troopers are trying to search for all the, all the bad batch because they spotted them and they figured out who's doing this. And they know where the containers crashed, so they he sends a group to go look for where the containers crashed and to look inside the ruined city on Serrano by the way yeah they when they arrived they saw that the ruined city was completely bombed out um so yeah basically count dooku's own city got destroyed 
during the war that he started. Um, or possibly after it. I think it was implied that it happened at the end. Like yeah, but I mean, Empire yeah, I guess right. did it post-war imperial bar- bombardment, like what happened on Kamino. Wilco is looking, is sending people off uh, after everyone. They get out Omega and Echo get out of the container and they pull tech to safety and omega is kind of irrationally insisting that they need the war chest they need the money even though like they are absolutely in a bad place and tech is injured and they really can't focus on that right now what do you think (laughs) things are not Um, going well (laughs) um i knew as soon as she started really leaning into how they needed this money that there were going to be some big feelings related to this and yeah. I started getting, you know, putting the pieces together and getting already very upset on her behalf because that's the thing about Omega that works so well as a character is that she is such a kid that a lot of the plot points that I think are a lot more complicated character developments that are more complicated to do in Star Wars when they're from an adult perspective, you know, kids think about things so simply. Yeah, it's very like cause and effect direct like very much in the moment yes she understands that they their lives are hard because they don't have the money because of her therefore she feels like she needs to be prioritizing this money because it's it's her way of fixing the problem that she's made yeah i don't know the people on this team know how to write children like the mind of children allison and i both work with kids i'm a preschool teacher she works with uh, first and second graders. So like we we don't have our own kids, but like our career is early childhood education. So like very like invested in kids stuff. And I can yeah. always tell My when somebody is always like it's it's like Omega. I mean, it's not like Omega in terms of I'm being like super clones, but it's they're so, the same it's age. Like age. Yeah. yeah. So like we can always tell when child characters are not being written by people who understand children and it's like very noticeable or like when a child actor is like too precocious to like be a believable actual child you know things like that actors acting like adults and exactly this is fantastic writing of a child character like they understand very much like how kids minds work and michelle ong despite being a grown adult somehow like understands so much about how to like portray a child fantastic I think Omega is the reason that this show is so amazing and I was kind of like girl your your dad is injured your other dads are screwed right now like but like yeah she was just like I think so taken up with this idea that like it's all her fault that she has yeah I mean in her mind she is focusing because the thing that matters the most to her is that everybody's okay because it's her fault and she needs to fix it they find Tech, Echo, and Omega find out that Hunter lets them know that they need to go radio silent because they're going to start tracking their, their comms. So basically right now they're kind of on their own until Hunter and Wrecker can find them. And then Tech, Echo, and Omega find this guy named Romar Adele. Great Star Wars name. Yeah, it's a fantastic Star Wars name. Um, and he... At first claims that he doesn't have a shelter nearby, but Tech, who you can't get anything past even when he's injured, says that there's a heat source 200 meters to the west. Uh, And Romar admits it's his home, and Echo asks Romar to take them there, and Romar agrees. Reluctantly. 
So they arrive at this guy Romar's home. They explain that they're rogue clones. They don't support the Galactic Empire. So they're not part of the Republic anymore. He kind of like warms up a little bit. Yeah, and it's an interesting perspective from his point of view because his planet was a separatist planet during the Clone Wars. So the clones were never good to him. Like, he never no. had good associations with them. And I guess neither did anyone on the planet. But then we get into the weeds about how complex the Clone Wars were from the perspective of the separatist Civilians. Like, you know. So Romar is explains that he is a, one of the few survivors of the bombardment of Sereno. Um, and that's why he fleed out into the middle of woods and lives by himself and kind of just minds his own business. And yeah, he just sort of lets them be. But Omega sort of follows Romar down the stairs to like keep an eye on him because that's what Echo tells tells her to do. And Romar tells her that Duco, Duku, sorry, Duco, <laughs> this is a Zuko, didn't just fund his war effort by stealing from outside worlds, but he also exploited his own people. So he explains essentially that the separatist civilians were also victims of the separatist commanders. Like they didn't agree to be part of a war. Shocking no one, because I can't imagine that Dooku would have been a popular leader no. with his people. He doesn't strike me as very cares like appealing he's, he's, in any way he's, he's the pinnacle of like aristocracy the guy yeah. doesn't seem like he's a man of the people <laughs> so yeah but like you know it's like drawing attention to a theme that's been explored in star wars and the clone wars before about how like civilians on either side of war don't really have any say in being part of a war and mm-hmm. often don't support it so like they can't be lumped in with their their governments just because that their government decided they were on this side of a war um and that's kind of like, you know, what Star Wars is exploring overall, but very much what this show is exploring by taking place at this time period is why, why war, <laughs> you know, like, like by, by talking about these characters, by, by exploring these characters that are literally created for no purpose other than war and how are they navigating a world in which that purpose no longer exists and they've found a new purpose in this child who is also apparently created only for war or we don't really know why but it's just like you know part of this larger conversation of like what do you do when your entire identity was about a war that was fake anyway to begin with like how do you go on living romar gives omega a kaleidoscope yeah this is this really messed me up it was so good she immediately hopes it's worth money oh no which is so sad because he explains that it's just a toy it's for fun and she doesn't understand what that means. <laughs> I mean, she she needs to. I'm happy that he gave that to her. She's a child. Just, I know. And she doesn't understand. Like, it's like that first episode or that second episode of season one where, like, she they, they give her a ball. Mm-hmm. Like, the other kids give her a ball. And, and she's like, what's the point of all this? And they're like, mm-hmm. it's to have fun. You just feel so sorry for this child whose, like, whole life has not been allowed to have, like, the joys of childhood. And can I just say, I am, I don't know what is in her genetics because she is such a delightful ray of sunshine of a child for someone who, like, clearly was not properly socialized 
as a child. Like It's almost surprising. It almost surprises you when she shows off the fact that she's been so sheltered and like not had a real childhood and doesn't like understand the basics of childhood when stuff like this happens that because she seems so happy and positive and just generally excited all the time it just makes moments like this like that much and her dads are trying her best and they gave her her own room and she has a stuffed animal but like she doesn't understand the concept of a toy i think especially now at this point in her life where she's so concerned with like how to help and like Mm -hmm. her only example is her dads who like only know how to like essentially be soldiers mercenaries and then this guy's like the only value of this toy is to make you happy that's worth enough big feelings big feelings it still kind of disappoints her because she wanted to help (sighs) all right so after that like emotion bomb there um moment she returns to tech and echo who are still talking about the war chest so you know reminding her like what she was previously concerned about Believing that they can still potentially recover it, Echo leaves to check for patrols. Romar returns with a data core that has an, like an archive of his culture that got wiped out uh, and asks Tech if he can borrow something from him to help fix it. And Tech fixes it for him. Tech fix it good. He fixes it good. Yeah, as he do. Omega spots Romar's uh, cable, his grappling mm-hmm. cable, and gets an idea. And can I just say, I love the little Tech and Romar bonding with the fix it good and now they're friends because he fixed it. And I always feel like Tech, because he had a similar conversation with Omega in season one, like something about his character arc has to do with the fact that I think he is kind of the keeper of the knowledge. Mm -hmm. He has a very kind of black and white sort of rigid concept of what their roles as clones were and also what the war was about and who the separatists were mm-hmm. that even now that like nothing makes sense anymore he still kind of holds on to he seems like kind of thrown off by this kind of you know example of a separatist who wasn't fighting a war who just happened to be a civilian in the middle of it and his act of helping him restore the archive of his people's culture is just kind of such a nice way of kind of giving him a chance to rethink how his entire worldview. Yeah. But in a way that's like such a simple act that's so easy for him to do. Oh, I, he, he's good at fixing things. Mm-hmm. He can't, he's stuck here because his leg is broken. This is something he can do in his spare time, but it's also his way of being like, actually, your culture is important. It doesn't have to do with the war at this point. I just want to help you get it back. Mm-hmm. That was in like in such a simple way. That was really cool. This show's so good. I know it is. It's so good. Yeah, he has some sort of line where he's like, it's a separatist, a separatist archive. And the guy's like, no, not a separatist archive, an archive of people. Tech is like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great for a war strategy for a war that they haven't been fighting for a while now. They don't need it anymore. He's still so eager to be like, I can use this to help fight the war. Because it was what he was made for. It's what they were all made for. He doesn't have to do that anymore. They're all finding their own ways of letting go of that. And his is like stuff like what happened in this episode. Like conversations like this. All right. So he fixes the data core. um, And Echo comes back from his patrol and notices that Omega is gone. 
because our dads are still not great at child supervision. They're trying, but they literally can't pay any attention. I don't understand why they're children themselves. Children. How do they not even hear the door opening? Babies raising babies. Babies raising babies. So basically, they set out to find her. Romar is like, uh, are you okay leaving with your freaking, your legs broken? Tech's yeah. like, it's fine. It's not, <laughs> it's not fine, fine, Tech. Tech. Don't I think I out. actually shouted that at the screen. I was like, it's not fine. Can't he like um, jerry-rig something to, to use for his a spare leg? I don't know. He's not, he's not MacGyver. Listen, to be fair, to be fair, he did a lot in season one. For yeah, them. but it was mostly programming stuff. He can't program his leg to be unbroken. He can probably figure it out. No. Okay, listen. He's doing his best. He is doing his best. Oh, no. They're I'm all doing their of, best. I'm saying this out of love because I care about him. Okay, okay. So Omega is using that grappling hook to rappel down to the cargo container. Meanwhile, she's got a grappling hook. yep, she's got a grappling hook. Much like Padme before her. Meanwhile, back in like non this situation, Wrecker and Hunter are like slightly worse or better. I can't. Decide. I don't. I don't know. They don't it's have a child bad. in their care, so it's not that's great. Right. But it's not as bad. I'd say they're, uh, you know, fighting off clone troopers to get back to their ship. The sort of the clone troopers that were sent out to look for Tech and. Uh, Echo and Omega approach the cargo container and Echo reaches her uh, so he jumps down to join her but one of the clone troopers uses a blaster bolt to uh, cut the cable so Omega shows Echo that she has a whole backpack full of treasure but Echo lets her know that it doesn't matter anymore there's clone troopers outside and they need to go Captain Wilco dispatches a gunship to aid them and Tech Meanwhile, it's starting to get fired on by all of these guys. So our boy has a broken leg and like there's three clone troopers going after him and one tackles him and somehow he still comes out on top. I, w- I knew they weren't going to do anything bad in, in, in this episode because it's only two episodes into the season. But I was so concerned. Like, yeah. He is my boy. And I was so concerned. Like, why does he have to be the punching bag of this episode? He's hurting and he was just trying so hard. It wasn't good. And I'm just, I was very concerned. He's having a bad day. They're all not doing great. Omega, while climbing up the cargo container with Echo, drops the backpack and is really upset. And she tells Echo it's because she overheard the conversation between Hunter and Echo when they said that it was, she was the reason they couldn't have a normal life. And Echo clearly, you know, gets that heartbroken dad look on his face as he realizes what this has all been about and convinces her to leave it. And they escape the car container without the treasure as it falls off. Meanwhile, our buddy Romar finds Tech and helps him up. Together, they shoot down the approaching gunship. Romar helps to pull Omega and Echo up. They, they keep falling, but he uses a speeder bike to finally pull them up. The Marauder arrives. They finally get reunited on top of the Marauder, not on top of, in the Marauder. Luckily, no one's climbing on top of a ship. With I mean, you know, it's from. happened before. And Romar lets Echo keep the, the kaleidoscope. Yeah, gives it to Omega and he stays behind. And then Omega apologized to Echo for how she was acting on the mission. But she says that she only felt bad that they had taken her in and she wanted to pay them back somehow. And Echo reassures her that they made the right choice and they wouldn't have made a different choice 
and they're happy that they chose to take care of her, even if it makes their lives hard. So that's what I, I like. I wanted to talk about that because it's like, it's an interesting question about what would have happened if they hadn't decided to leave with Omega because they chose to take Omega with them, but they still would have been on the run without her. I guess the implication being that they have to be more mindful of their own personal safety because now they have a child with them than they would have had to do otherwise. Yeah, yeah, they do. They have um, to put more into, you know, into, they have to put more into taking care of her. They kind of chose to not be part of the Empire when Hunter chose to disobey Order 66. Right. And that was before Omega came into their lives. But I mean, I think that was part of, I mean, it's kind of just part of the whole thing. Hunter chose not to do that because their rogue clones, their chips didn't activate. They maintained their sort of morality in that moment and then used that morality to make the decision to not only disobey Order 66, but protect this child that they find. So it's all part and parcel. But yeah, I mean, she, I think she really is taking too much of it on her own, like as her responsibility, because, you know, that's how she is. And thinking that they have to live on the run because of her and her alone. But I mean, and she's not entirely wrong because I think that part of the other kind of struggle of what they should do with, with, with their time and Echo saying that they need to be doing more to help. He's thinking about, you know, what at this point is not a real rebellion, but like what we see kind of happening, fomenting, like in Andor. Um, pockets are fermenting pockets are fermenting yes echo's getting a sense of this and wants to do more be more active in it and i think part of the struggle is that if omega wasn't with them they could be a little bit more careless and a little bit more risky in what they were doing to help the cause or they the could, struggle yeah. and they have to be more careful and think more about the big picture and being you know, subtle and keep in hiding and make sure they're making enough money because they're taking care of a child. Yeah. I mean, they could be more like soldiers, like what they know how to do if they didn't have a child with them. Mm. And I think that comes to the fact that this show raises a lot of really interesting questions that it's continuing to explore and it started to explore in, in season one. Really, I think, unique questions for Star Wars that I think that the whole bit with the kaleidoscope and the toy sort of like making you happy is like worth something. Mm -hmm. There's all these questions about like, at what point do you have a moral responsibility to participate in a war? Mm -hmm. Or is there a moral, is there a moral way to opt out for another reason? Mm -hmm. Because by the introduction of this, of Omega and how these former soldiers are trying to figure out how to raise a child and Around them, the beginnings, the earliest, earliest beginnings of a rebellion are underway. And they're seeing all these instances of injustice happening around them. They're also trying to figure out how to balance that with, like, letting a child be a child. Like, you know, letting her understand what a toy is. Understand why it's okay to just be happy. Mm -hmm. And that's in itself is worth something. That, like, mm-hmm. fun is worth something. Like, with the character of uh, Romar. Romar. <laughs> Romar. Um, Romar. You know, he's, like, an example of someone who survived a war as a civilian. And the show's not, like, 
condemning his decision to like not be involved but just like try and survive mm-hmm. and he's sort of showing omega this world in which it's okay to, to just want to have joy in life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then like something that you mentioned was that you know like andor was exploring a lot of these similar themes and was kind of like I, I think I remember when Sid said, yeah, if you get all this money, you can get out of here and it's fine. You're out. Mm-hmm, you're free. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you said, well, that's what Cassian thought when right. he got that money from that heist. Mm-hmm. He thought and, he had enough to, to get out and be free. But he didn't because right. under the Empire, you can't be free even by just being. Mm-hmm. So like, I wonder where this show is going to fall in that sort of debate because like it's definitely exploring these these ideas that like it's there is something morally worthwhile in what the Bad Batch are doing in an attempt to like find a way to give Omega a normal life in which she doesn't have to think about war and she can just enjoy being happy. And being a kid. Being a kid, but also at what point does that stop becoming an option? And we know that Rex is going to come back this season because we've seen him in the trailers and we assume he's going to be doing more organizing for what's going to become the rebellion at some point later. Or who knows, just organizing clones, helping clones. But at the point that we see him in season one, he's way more like disillusioned and traumatized. And I think that he's kind of just telling the clones to get their chips out, but he's not actually trying to help or trying to organize, or he doesn't have any major plan beyond just kind of trying to survive and figure out what happened to the other clones. And it's through his experience of seeing, you know, the Bad Batch family kind of taking care of each other and seeing how much they care about each other through that whole terrifying experience where they're trying to, you know, help Wrecker with his chip and get all of their chips out. And that moment when he's watching them all, like, you know, and Wrecker is still asleep and they're all obviously they care so much about each other and you can kind of tell in his head that it's that's his moment to be like oh I need to be doing more like this matters like the people here matter the people who are affected by what happened at the end of the war matter and now you see that he's his role is turning into more of like a rebellion kind of role like an organizing kind of role it's asking the question, like, at what point is just being happy and just taking care of your family more important than, like, the cause? But then it's also giving you examples of how the act of taking care of your family, can, like, that can be the cause. Like, that can be the act of rebellion is just caring about your family, which, oh, my gosh, is so much like what happens in Andor. They're such perfect companion pieces to each other. They really are. Andor, and I kept on thinking about this when I was watching Andor, because Andor really explores how the Empire takes people and, like, turns them into machinery. Like, everything that was happening in the prison arc with Narkina and building the pieces of the Death Star and the way that, like, it doesn't actually matter. The Empire doesn't see the people. It's, it's you know whose lives it's destroying as people and that's where the rebellion will come from and then in the bad batch it's literally looking at the people that the empire well it wasn't the empire at the time the separatists literally created 
as machines to fight a war. Like, they're people, but their role is basically, like, you know, souped-up battle droids. And then as soon as they're no longer needed, they don't care about them. So they just let them, you know, become irrelevant. And so, but that that gives them the opportunity to say, well, then what can we be for each other? Mm-hmm. So it's like the rebellion on one side is fueled by the empire. I mean, it's always fueled by the empire's lack of understanding, but on one side it's, it's fueled by the empire's like need to turn people into machines and to destroy their lives that way. And on the other hand, it's the empire's need to throw away the people who were created as part of a war machine and that gives the, them the opportunity to be like, hey, we can be people now. Star Wars Big. man. Deep. Star Wars man. This is deep shit. Okay. Let's get to the end of this episode. Captain Wilco is reporting to our old buddy, Admiral Rampart. Rampart, he's back. Nobody likes him. No, he's the worst. And I, I am admittedly, I am the first to admit, and I know you've gone on the air publicly to say this, I tend to like Imperial characters. I tend to find them gross. They're always a gross, but morality I mean, perspective. listen, problematic faves. We always have yes. them. Yes, yes. Krennic. Love him. I love Krennic. Krennic. I'm putting it out there. I love Krennic. You heard it, you heard it here first. I mean, you, do too. you loved uh, Arinda Price and Rebels. <sighs> oh my God, she's my girl. I love her. So I'm just, I know, she's horrible, I'm, but we love her. No, she's awful, but I love Deidre her. Deidre in Andor. Oh my gosh, Deidre, yeah. Well- I, I don't like Deidre more than I don't like Arinda, but that doesn't mean I don't like Deidre. I do like Deidre. I don't like them as people, but they're great no. characters who we love yeah, that's to true. explore as characters. Problematic faves, okay? Yeah. I have them. I have them. We all have them. Um, yeah. But the point we're making here is we don't like Rampart. No, Rampart is not a problematic he fave. Sucks. He's the He's worst. The worst. He, he does not have any of that, like... He's just the worst. Yeah, he doesn't have anything interesting going on about him. He just Except sucks. for just worstness. Being yeah, terrible. He sucks. I mean, yeah. he's interesting in that he's an interesting... Well, he's a formidable villain, but we don't like him. Well, it's the same way I feel about Tarkin. Like, I know there's a whole novel about Tarkin. I do want to read it. Mm, but yeah, I don't I, like Tarkin. I don't like Tarkin. I mean, I love his lines. I love I Peter quote Cushing. Him all day. I love Peter Cushing. I but... love Peter Cushing. I love, the, I love what Tarkin brings to the party. I don't yeah. like him as a person or a character. Which is not to say I like like Deidre as a person, no, but I like. I don't. I'm, but I'm, I'm interested. I, I'm excited for parts of the show that she's in. You know. Okay, so know. then maybe I, I need to re redo this. We're getting into the weeds here. I don't hate Tarkin then because I do love it when he's on screen in any way. I don't like Rampart though, and if he dies, I won't be sad. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that's where we go. Get with. Okay. So Rampart is talking to Captain Wilco, and Captain Wilco says that the heist was done uh, by Clone Force 99. And Rampart's like, that's uh, that's an error, because Clone Force 99 was killed in the bombardment of Kamino. And Wilco's like, well, that's incorrect then. They must have survived, because I saw them. Mm-hmm. And then Rampart's like, well... If uh, the squad survived and that got reported, then I would lose favor in the eyes of Tarkin, speak of the mm-hmm. devil. And he says, Wilco, you need to submit a re-edited report. And Wilco's like, well, I'm not going to do that because that would be against orders. I can't falsify a report. So Rampart just shoots him and is like, well, mm-hmm. then I'll do it. So this Rampart guy, he doesn't care about clones. 
He doesn't care about clones. I'm also like, admittedly, he's got some balls on that guy because he just did that on the open. And I know that you're probably in high enough command to know that you could cover something like that up. But there's not like cameras out there. I don't think that he even cares. Like he can just say that this clone, like, I don't know, looked at him funny. Like the thing, I think that that was kind of an example of how little the the empire thinks of clones. Like they don't even consider them humans. So he's just yeah, like, you know right, what? I didn't so think about it that way. That. It's like, who's going to report him? He's definitely the highest ranking person there. Yeah, exactly. If somebody's like, you shot a, clo- a cat, this person, you'd be like, well, yeah, well, it was it's not nothing. It was a clone. He can just say like his, I don't know. His chip brain was on, his chip was day. on the fritz <laughs> yeah. or something. And then just be like, I just had to do it. And they're like, okay, whatever. It was a clone. But yeah. So this Rampart guy. What do you think is going to happen next? <laughs> well, I think that he's definitely going to, they're sending him up to be a major. Well, I, it's interesting. We haven't said the, the crosshair word yet. He hasn't shown up yet. D- going to be here soon. I think he might be here in the next episode. I, I mean, of course, he, they can't hold him back for that long. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, crosshair was obviously kind of like the surprise villain of season one, who is also not a villain because, you know, surprise, surprise, there was complexity there of the mm-hmm. highest order and you know you start feeling very bad for him at the end but and at the beginning and honestly throughout but i guess what they're doing here is setting up rampart to kind of be have, take a more active role in trying to make life difficult for our babies do you think he's going to try and find them and off them or is he just going to continue to kill anyone who saw them i think that if he cares enough about how this could affect him that he's just gonna murder a commander in broad daylight then he probably is going to take it upon himself to, to find them Ooh, and might, gotta have do you some... think he's gonna send crosshair to do it probably because crosshair has that um oh but then crosshair is gonna have to know yeah. that he that they survived and does well, Rampart he knows find that. Out? Well, yeah, no, Crosshair already oh. knows. But what I'm saying is, does Rampart find out that Crosshair knows? Oh, shit. Of course Crosshair knows. Will Rampart come to the realization that Crosshair knew all along and wasn't telling him? Oh. There's a lot yeah. of potential for for drama this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a and wild we time. still have not seen anything about the surprise cloning facility that, you know. And we still don't have any with. information about what is Omega's deal. And I'm still thinking about that line from what was it? The third episode, the same one with the ball and the farmers that, Oh yeah. What is his name? It's bothering me so much. The deserter cutter, cutter, cutter. I was like, come on. I should know this. No cut, cut, not cutter, cut. Cut. It was cut, cut, not cutter, cut. When cut meets Omega for the first time and he's talking to, to, I mean, and of course everybody probably remembers this, but I think about it like, weekly is he's talking to hunter about her and hunter says she's a clone like us and you know i don't remember what his exact words are but he says something about how you know he doesn't know why she was made or anything like that and cut says well the kaminoans don't ever do anything by accident Mm -hmm. so i mean right there they're spelling out that Regardless of what she knows about what she was made for or what the clones have found out about what she was made for or even what we think we know about her maybe being like just a backup Boba Fett. But the fact that she's a girl, the fact that she was kept hidden from everybody for so long and the fact that she there seems to be stuff that she knows that she isn't telling 
you know, her family and just that the um, ominous kind of tone of that line, you know, about how the Kaminoans never do anything by accident. There's just some stuff going on. Like, why did they need to get her back so badly? Like, yeah, it couldn't just be because she has a genetic, be because the genetic. Ha- bank I, I don't buy Django for a second Fett. that it's just because it's Django slash Boba Fett DNA. I just don't think it is. I think there's something else going on there. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I just think there's something else going on. Oh, there's gonna be. All right, well, I guess that wraps up our discussion of the first two episodes of season two of The Bad Batch. You are uh, going to hear us back here every week talking about all the new episodes um, as they drop. And yeah, this is a special fun uh, side presentation of Best Fun Since the Next One because... yeah. Yeah, because that's one since the next one is awesome. <laughs> that's yeah, why. And, and we're the, the resident clone connect. We're the clone connection. We're the clone connection. And this has been a talk of the clones uh, presented mm-hmm. by Best One Since the Next One. I am Stephanie. I'm Allison, her genetic clone. Like Boba Fett and Omega, um, except for both girls. So, you know. yeah. <laughs> and Take- not made in a lab, as far as we know. So. Yeah, as far as we know. Make sure that you. Uh, subscribe to best one since the next one on spotify apple podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts are we doing uh, the thing where we tell everyone where to find us yes or, or? I, we're, we're being professional okay? okay i i know what i'm doing all right yeah tell so, me tell me what to do subscribe to best one since the next one uh anywhere you listen to your podcasts apple podcasts spotify make sure that you hit the little notification bell on spotify so you don't miss an episode uh rate us on spotify and apple podcasts follow us on instagram at b1n1 pod yeah stay tuned for all the awesome main episodes with john and occasionally me and other cool guests and keep tuned in for further episodes of a talk of the clones with me and allison talking the bad batch see y'all next week see you next week um let's see come on <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> okay are we gonna do this again or what what's going on right, just listen just listen <laughs> you want me to do it no <laughs> i got this okay. we are directed <laughs> no just all right, take it away, Allison. No, I can't. I can't. All right, okay, okay. All right. Directed by Stuart Lee. No, written... we should start over. We should start no, over. No, Allison, it's okay. 